a little town of Bethlehem, Micah, overwhelmed major lessons from the minor prophets. Always with the minor, always with the minor. Like, I don't know that I didn't have as much to say as Isaiah. We got to point it out everywhere. The minor prophet. God didn't think it was minor, the stuff I had to say to me. Oh, hello. Hi. Uh, <laughs> I, has anyone seen a Pastor Rick? Um, he asked me to come and speak to you. I think I'm in the right place. Three McGinnis Drive. Uh, he said the church across from the temple, so I was able to find it there easy enough. Uh, so I guess I'm in the right place. I'll have to catch up with him later. He did ask me to come and speak to you this morning. Um, I, I should take a minute to introduce myself. My name's Micah, and the answer is no one. Let me try it again. My name's Micah, and the answer is no one. That one kills in Jerusalem. Um, all right. Well, we're going to have to back up a little if you didn't get that one. And I'm uh, going to have to explain a little bit more. I can see we'll have to start a little bit back at the beginning. But I was asked to come and speak to you always about the Bethlehem thing. Uh, this time of year, I get a lot of talks. I get a lot of requests for talks to come and talk about the Bethlehem. The rest of my year is pretty open if you want me to come speak. Other parts of your year, get a lot of bookings this time of year uh, about the Bethlehem thing. So we'll get there, but I think we're going to have to back up a little uh, if you didn't get that first part. Uh, and I'm going to have to explain myself a little bit more. Uh, I am, my name is Micah, I am a prophet. Um, forget the minor thing. Um, I am a prophet of God. And I, uh, so that means that I speak to people on behalf of God. I was uh, a prophet in my nation of Israel. And I would say whatever God wanted me to say to the people. Now, before you get the wrong idea and think I'm one of those, you know, fame and glory prophets and I'm just in it for the fame and glory, it's not all fame and luxury being a prophet. I mean, you get the occasional advantage walking down the street. People recognize you. There's the prophet Micah, you know, and you get a, sometimes you go to a feast and you get a good seat at the feast and one of the grandmothers sleeps you, slips you a little extra piece of lamb on the way out. <laughs> but it's not all fame and glory being a prophet. Actually, being a prophet is, uh, it's kind of a hard deal. And uh, it's, it's kind of hard a lot of the time uh, for us prophets if you don't know much about it. Uh, first of all, we don't get to pick what we say. Uh, we just have to say whatever God tells us to say. And that would be one thing. But we also don't get to pick who we say it to. Uh, we don't get to pick our audience. We just have to say whatever God tells us to say whoever God tells us to say it to, whenever God says to say it. And sometimes that's okay. Believe it or not, sometimes we get some good news to share. But most of the time, it's bad news. So the best way I could describe the life of a prophet is if you've ever had to share bad news with someone you care about. Um, maybe you had someone in your family die and you were the one that had to share it with other family members 
And that's a hard thing to do. Or maybe you, you, someone was sick and you were the one that had to explain to other people that they were really ill. And delivering bad news to people you care about can be really difficult. <clears throat> but it's probably the best way I can describe the life of a prophet. Most of us prophets, we weren't sent to strangers. We weren't just sent out to anybody in particular. We were sent to our own people. Uh, sometimes to a king or an official, but a lot of times to your friends, your family, your neighbors. And so if you think of the life of the prophet, it's kind of delivering bad news all the time to people you care about. And it's not exactly an easy life. I mean, you're walking down the street, hey, Micah, how's it going? And, you know, you want to be cordial, you know. Hey, it's going good. Nice weather we're having. You know, you're a sinner. The king is corrupt. The other priests are extorting people. And God's going to send us into exile for it. Have a nice day. It's hard work being a prophet. It's not always fun. It's not all the fame and luxury that people make it out to be. There's the stoning thing. Um, if you're not familiar with that, uh, the prophets, if you get them wrong, uh, if, you, if you don't, if you give a prophecy that uh, wasn't actually from God and it turns out to be false, well, the law says that uh, that prophet's to be stoned and they don't use minor stones for minor prophets. <laughs> and so you want to make sure that whatever you say is really from God. And that was my job. And the truth is, if you're a true prophet, when God gives you a word, you can't not say it. That's the way it was for me in my day. If God gave me a word, it was so shut up in my bones, it felt like a fire was burning inside of me. And until I got it out, I could not be content. So God would give me these words to share. And I'd share them with people. But like I said, it's mostly bad news most of the time. And so that makes it difficult. But if you think about it, a prophet from God is really a message of love. I mean, sometimes you might think of a prophet and you think, oh, it's all doom and gloom and the sky is falling and everything's going bad and there's judgment. And... But really, if God really didn't care... He wouldn't send anybody to say anything. If God really didn't love people, just let them go their way and do whatever they want to do. Maybe you've had someone confront you with difficult news or truth sometimes. And your first reaction is to be upset. But really what you realize afterwards is they cared enough about you to share it, even though it was difficult. How loving would a father be if he watched his son making poor choices and going down a difficult road and did nothing about it? Or what, what would a mom be who gave life and birth to a daughter but then watches her go make disastrous choices and says nothing to her? The truth is, the message of the prophets was really an expression of God's love. But it wasn't easy. I was sent to my people in a difficult time, as most prophets were. 
It wasn't just me. There were a couple others uh, same time as me, Isaiah and Hosea and Amos. We all kind of came to the same people at the same time with a message from God. Uh, my people, the people of God at that time, the children of Abraham and God's covenant people, they had been loved by God and given much by God. But they had walked away from God by the time I got on the scene. I mean, if you could think of it, they had done it. Uh, from the least to the greatest, it was corrupt. I mean, I don't know if you can imagine living in a place where the leaders are corrupt, the officials are corrupt, everyone's got their hand out. But that's what it was. These are supposed to be the people of God. Our government leaders and officials, judges, they're supposed to be impartial, supposed to administer justice and care about right things and being fair. But they didn't. You could buy your judgment. If you had enough money, they would find things in your favor. And the truth is that the poor and the ones who are often suffering the most injustice found no hope. The ones who were supposed to have an advocate because they couldn't afford an advocate got no justice because the law was for sale. It wasn't just them, though. Uh, the priests were involved, too. So a prophet, if you don't know, like I mentioned, is someone who speaks to the people on behalf of God. But a priest is someone who speaks to God on behalf of the people. And the priest worked in the temple, and they were supposed to offer prayers and sacrifices. And God had set them up provided for all their needs, that the offerings that would come into the temple would provide for the needs of the priest so they didn't have to work the farm, they didn't have to own land, they could just focus on ministering for God. But they got greedy and they decided that wasn't enough for them. And so they stopped teaching unless someone would pay them for it. And one of their primary jobs was to teach people about God and his ways. But they got greedy and they said they wouldn't teach unless somebody paid them. As if it were their word to be able to give and hold back whenever they wanted. As if it belonged to them. And these were the priests. They were the people that you were supposed to be able to run to and count on times of need. They become greedy. There were even some who called themselves prophets. Who, if you would give them something to eat, they'd tell you peace and good things are going to happen to you. If you didn't, they would say war and disaster is going to come upon you. It was extortion and bribery, bribery and corruption at every level. And these were supposed to be the people of God. These were supposed to be the people that knew God and had experienced God's blessing and were an example to the whole world of how he loved people and how people could be in relationship with him. And they weren't acting that way at all. God had made it very simple how people were supposed to act. In fact, I 
I'd boil it down to just three simple commands. God said my people are supposed to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with their God. They're supposed to be just, fair. They're supposed to be merciful and kind. And they're supposed to walk humbly with God. But in my day, people were doing the exact opposite. There was no justice. There was certainly no mercy. And people weren't even paying attention to God. Justice was for sale. As far as mercy, people would, you know, you're going to believe this, but people would come through the, when they were passing through our nation, just, just to pass through to get to the next destination they were going to. No harm, no ill intent. My people would stop them, rob them, steal their possessions for simply passing through our, our nation. There was no mercy. And as for walking humbly with our God, there were altars to all kinds of gods set up all over the city. You had gods of weather and war, fertility and sex. There were all kinds of gods being worshipped in the nation that was supposed to be the nation of God. And so God sent me to bring bad news to people I cared about. People I lived beside, my neighbors, my family members. God said, go tell them that I'm going to send them into exile. Now, if you don't know what exile is, it's not good. Foreign nation, God said the nation of Babylon was going to come in. And they're going to level and destroy the city, Jerusalem and the nation, And anyone that wasn't killed, they're going to carry them off to live in foreign nations. And that's a hard thing to hear, but it's even harder to hear that God himself was going to allow this and bring this about. And this was the news that I had to deliver. Nobody wanted to hear it. These false prophets I told you about, they would say, Micah, Micah, you can't say these things. You're disgracing us. Nobody wants to hear it. But that's the life of a prophet. You bring hard sayings to people you care about. There was no justice. There was no mercy. And there was no walking humbly with God. And so God was going to send us into exile in order to purify us. My fear, though, was that God, even if this is your plan, Probably not going to work. We'd been in exile before. Uh, People of God were in exile and slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. God brought us out with mighty miracles. He split uh, the Red Sea and there was walls of water on both sides and we walked across on dry land. But it didn't take long for us to go our own way again. Forget that mighty God that brought us through, forget justice and mercy and humility. So God, I mean, it's it's your plan, but not sure how it's going to work. 
In fact, I cried out to God and I asked, what is it that we can do to rid us and deliver us of this evil? Do you want sacrifices? Thousands of rams, thousands of rivers of oil will bring whatever it is. Perhaps you want our firstborn, fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. Is that what you demand, God? But there was no hope in that. There was no sacrifice that was going to take care of it. We'd been making sacrifices for years. And yet we were still stuck in this place. Maybe you've been there. At a place where you try and do good. You know the good you're supposed to do. But you still end up back in that place doing those things you don't want to do. And what hope is there when you get there? What hope is there when I look at my people who for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years kept returning and walking away from God? Would God forget them? Would God at some point say enough? Maybe you have felt that way in your life. What would God do? Well, At one point, he gave me a word. I said, sometimes you get to share good news. (laughs) And in the midst of this, where I'm crying out and wondering what God is going to do and what hope is there, God gave me a word. And the word and the prophecy was about the town of Bethlehem. And God gave me this word that said, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. In the midst of our lack of faithfulness to God, in the midst of our falling short of being just, of being merciful, and walking humbly with God, God didn't give simply a word of correction, condemnation. He gave a word of hope. He said, one day, one day, there will come out of a little town called Bethlehem. And you may not be familiar with the area, but for God to say something like that is almost outlandish. Nothing comes out of Bethlehem. It was about a half day's journey southwest of Jerusalem. There wasn't much there. Sheep, pastures. I mean, it was famous because that's where King David was born. But the whole point of the King David story is no one was paying attention to the guy tending flocks in Bethlehem. No one paid attention to Bethlehem at all. But God promised that one day another ruler would come from Bethlehem. And this one, this one would sit on a throne 
and bring peace not just to the nation of Israel, but to all the earth. This one would bring hope not just to the Israelites and our nation, but this one would bring hope to the entire world. And here we were, a people that deserved nothing but punishment. We deserve nothing but God's wrath. We deserve nothing but for him to turn his back on us as we had on him. And yet he gives me this word and says one day, one day, there'll be one coming out of a little town called Bethlehem. And he will reign forevermore. And he will bring peace. And so hang on through the difficulties because your God will not abandon you. Your God will not forget you. And it's not about the reparations that you make, sacrifices. It's about the restoration that God is going to bring about for you. So I looked and I waited knowing that God who has always been faithful to his word would someday in the future be faithful again. Who is like this God? In fact, that's the message I ended my prophecy with, the last message I received from God that I gave to our people. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. And then I remember that even in his chastisement, even as he corrected us, that he was a faithful God who could be trusted, that he would one day send one who would deliver us, who is like our God. In fact, that's what my name means, Micah. Micah translated means who is like our God. And the answer is no one. God bless you.